we are doing communion this morning. We're partaking in communion. So if you don't have the communion elements, you can raise your hand. Somebody will get it for you. You can get up and somebody will get it for you. Um, there's little, these little communion lunchables that we have. Feel free to go grab them now. It's all right. Um, as you can tell, also, I am not Pastor Dave. Sorry about that, but I'm not Pastor Dave. Um, he had to take this past week off. Um, unfortunately, he's, he's going through kind of a, a tough time right now. So if you could be in prayer for him, um, it's just a really hard season for him right now. And the season we're talking about is fantasy football season, of course. <laughs> so my team, Kyle Sweaty Pitts. Uh, if you have Kyle Pitts on your team, I think it's a law that you have to call your team Sweaty Pitts, too. Just, so don't blame me. It's a law. Uh, so Kyle Sweaty Pitts did beat Buckeye One Dave, which I think is the most boomer name he could think of, is Buckeye One Dave. Um, so, you know, he had to take this week off, take some time to pause, to pray, to reflect about things that he could be doing better as a fantasy football manager. You know, he just really coaches guys up. So that's why I'm here with you this morning. Um, so if you see him, just let him know you're praying for him, all right? He'll know why. <laughs> as many of you know, we are, we are launching our new series today, When Anxiety Attacks. When Anxiety Attacks. And I'm really thankful to be a part of a, a church community that will take time to talk about these things. Like to take time to talk about uh, depression, anxiety, stuff that you and I go through every day, right? These really real topics that not all churches talk about. So before we get started, you guys mind praying with Christ Jesus, thank you for this opportunity to gather together in your name. I pray that your Holy Spirit flows in this service, in this room here, and in any room where people are watching online. I pray that we could be drawn closer together and closer to you through this series. And that any ways that we're struggling, we could learn how to give them over to you and experience freedom that you want for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I, I really am glad that we're willing to, to talk about anxiety because who here has struggled with anxiety in the past few years? Okay, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Look around the room. It's like all of us, right? We've all struggled with anxiety over the past few years. We've all struggled with this fear this unknown, we've, we've struggled in these ways, and so I'm really thankful that we're willing to take a moment and, and talk about this stuff, and talk about a Christ-like response to anxiety. Because anxiety can look a lot of different ways for all of us, right? It, it can feel a lot of different ways. It can feel really big, it can feel really small. So I was trying to think, like, okay, what does anxiety feel like? What does anxiety feel like? And this picture came into mind of, like, you know, picture you're, like, laying down trying to watch TV, you're just trying to relax, trying to just live life, trying to just be normal. And your younger brother just keeps popping up in front of the TV on purpose to annoy you so that you can't watch a show. He's like throwing things at you. He's like making faces at you. He's being annoying on purpose. 
Now, I was that little brother, and I did that to my brother David, right? And I was anxiety to him, and it would start out small, and he was like, okay, John, can you just, just, try, and, just try and watch a game, all right? And then I'd pop up again, and blah, blah, and, and he'd like, can you please stop? And then I would, like, throw stuff out, and he's like, if you don't stop, I'm going to punch you. And so I did it again, and he just popped up, and just, boom, and I stopped, right? I stopped. Now, here's the difference, though. Like, anxiety can start off small. It can start off like, all right, just, okay, I'm going to get through it. And then it can grow and grow and grow. It just keeps coming back. But unlike me, who you can just punch and will go away, you can't just punch anxiety, right? Like, we need to learn how to handle it, how to process it, how to deal with anxiety. Because unlike your annoying younger brother, you can't just punch it and have it go away. And I feel like all of us have been on that anxiety spectrum somewhere, where like maybe it's just a little thing for some of us, but for some of us in the room here and now, our anxiety can be debilitating, right? The smallest things like doing the dishes or folding the laundry after it's dry, that's me, just like feels too tall a task to tackle, like you just can't do it because we've all experienced that anxiety. And it doesn't mean that you have a bad prayer life, right? It doesn't mean that you, know, you don't have enough faith. It doesn't mean that you don't trust God. No, if you struggle with anxiety, it means that you are human. It means that you live in an uncertain world that feels more and more uncertain by the day. See, we have so many inputs and unknowns in our life that our brains were just not meant to handle. Like, statistically, the world is the safest place it has ever been to live. It is the safest the world has ever been, statistically. There's less violence, there's less illness. The world is the safest it has ever been. But it doesn't feel that way, does it? Like, every day we're inundated with new inputs. We're, we see the news, we see social media, we hear people talking, and, and the world seems more dangerous than it has ever seemed before. Because all of these inputs and unknowns. And because of that, even though the world is the safest it's ever been, anxiety is at an all-time high. Anxiety is at an all-time high. We have so much to be stressed about. We know instantly the moment something bad happens in our world, and we have no idea what's coming next. And anxiety can stem from really little things, or it can stem from really, really big things in the world. So like, here are some things that I have felt anxious about. So it can be a little thing, right? Like, will the Eagles' strength of schedule set them up for a good playoff run? Like, they're playing these cupcake teams, and that's good because we're winning, right? We're winning. We might get a good seed in the playoffs, but maybe it won't set us up for, like, a real test. You know what I'm talking about? And Jonathan Gannon, our defensive coordinator, he's just, like, so vanilla then like, okay, will he start to scheme things that offenses don't see coming? Or is he just gonna rely on superior athletes? So these are the things I think about. 
And it could be little things like this, or it could be like medium-sized things that cause anxiety. Like, okay, midterm elections are coming up. All right, so I want to be a good civilian. So, okay, so I'm not going to just vote blindly, so I need to do research. Okay, so there's all these candidates for all these local positions that I need to do research on. Okay, I read about him. I'm trying to find stuff on her, and I'm trying to find out what she thinks on this and what he thinks on that. I'm trying to be a good civil servant, and I'm trying to just help out. But what, what if all of these politicians that I vote for, what if they don't win? What's that going to do for my taxes? What's that going to do for my community? Right? Like these things can pile up. And sometimes they're huge, massive, scary things. Like, oh, shoot. Russia invaded the Ukraine? That's bad. Wait, that's, that can't be good. Right? Okay, okay. So now I'm thinking, all right, if they go to war, are, where do we align? Or, wait, does that mean, are we going to enter into this war again? Like, wait, doesn't Russia have like a lot of like nuclear weapons? All these things pile up. It can be small things or it can be huge, massive things on the other side of the world. And our brains were never meant to handle all of this information. A hundred years ago, people didn't know about the day-to-day -day struggles, the day-to-day -day trauma of people on the other side of the world. But now we hear about this stuff every single day. We have so many inputs, so many notifications. We have so much stuff that our brains are trying to wrestle with, and this can be anxiety-inducing. Luckily, we're at church, so we do church stuff here. And we have a wisdom tradition as a part of our church stuff that we do that we can fall back on. Because these problems that seem like they're new, they're actually not always that novel. And so in our wisdom tradition, we have years of stories, we have years of poems, we have years of narratives, we have years of history to learn from that have been passed down from generation to generation in our scriptures. So let's explore what the scriptures say about anxiety. Today, our primary passage is going to be from the book of Isaiah. Now, I'm, I know some of you know this, but maybe some of us don't. I went to college to study ministry stuff, and I didn't learn this in college. So maybe some of you don't know this, but in Isaiah, it's actually kind of split up into two separate books, right? There's kind of like a first Isaiah and a second Isaiah. Now, you guys might not have known that. I didn't know that until I learned it later. And so first Isaiah is from chapters like 1 through 39. We kind of call that first Isaiah. And that is Isaiah speaking to the people in Jerusalem. He's speaking to the people of Jerusalem. He's, he's giving them a prophecy from God of judgment saying, we need to change what we're doing here, guys. This is not going to work out well for us. But also a prophecy of hope. Hey, if, if we change what we're doing, things will be okay. Like, we can sort this stuff out. We can have good leadership. We can, we can protect ourselves. It'll be fine. And so first Isaiah is Isaiah speaking judgment and hope in this prophetic way. And then second Isaiah is chapters 40 through 66. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time today because in Isaiah's 40 through 66, we actually jump forward about 150 years in Judah's history, right? So we have 1 Isaiah 1 through 39. Okay, judgment's coming. Repent, there's hope. And then we have 40 through 66 that is saying something completely different to a completely different group 
of people. In the first part, the first Isaiah, people are doing all the right things, right? Like they're feasting when they're supposed to be feasting. They're doing the right sacrifices at, at the right times. They're doing things according to the letter of the law, but they're not doing what Jesus calls the weightier, the weightier matters of the law. They're not taking care of the poor. They're not taking care of the marginalized. They're not taking care of the hurting in their midst. And so because of this, Isaiah says, if you don't switch this up, if we don't fix this, Assyria and then Babylon, they're gonna come and they're gonna conquer us and it's gonna be bad. And that's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. Babylon came and King Hezekiah was driven out. And then all of the people of Jerusalem, all the people of Judah, were driven out from Jerusalem, forcibly removed from their home, forcibly removed from their peace, forcibly removed from everything they'd ever known, and they were taken to be slaves in Babylon. So in chapters 40 through 66, we transport through time and space about 150 years to Second Isaiah, and we see the people of Judah forcibly removed from Jerusalem, taken into exile, conquered, and enslaved. They were, they were a people who were driven out from their safety, driven out of their freedom that they had, and they were put into bondage. There are people who are no longer experiencing the peace and the presence of God. Has anybody been there? Maybe you didn't live in Jerusalem and you were like taken out by Babylon. Like, I don't mean that. But has anybody been there emotionally, spiritually, or mentally? Where you're just trying to live your life. You're trying to navigate the world. You're trying to do all the right things. And you find yourself lost. You find yourself spiritually like homeless. You find yourself hurting. You, you find yourself the fear for your life, you find yourself trapped and enslaved. See, many of us, we don't know exactly what they went to. Like, a lot of us experience a pretty safe life physically. But not all of us, but, but many of us, we've experienced a safe and sound life physically. But maybe you've been there emotionally and mentally. Maybe you've been abandoned by God. At least you feel like you are. Maybe you've been abandoned by those closest to you. Maybe you feel lost. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel fear that you just can't conquer, fear that you can't even grasp. Maybe you experience so much pain and turmoil, you feel like you're drowning in anxiety. This is something I want all of us to acknowledge and own within our own lives. And that is this. We have experienced mental and emotional trauma. We have experienced mental and emotional trauma. Now you could have had the best life in the world. You could have had the best upbringing, you could have had the best life in the world, but you're still wounded. There are still some scars that maybe you carry around with you. And so I think it's okay for us to acknowledge that all of us have experienced mental and emotional trauma. Like, here's a few examples. Because of COVID, right, many of us 
we're afraid of losing our health. We were afraid of losing our loved ones. We were afraid of losing our financial stability. And this takes a toll. It takes its toll. Maybe you've been hurt or abandoned by important people in your life. This takes a toll. Maybe you're just trying to stay afloat in the internet age. You have, once again, all these inputs coming at you. All these things telling you how you should be, how you should think, what your lives should look like. And you can't keep up with Instagram and with Pinterest and with Facebook and with HGTV. You just can't keep up with all of it. And your life doesn't look how it's supposed to. And that takes its toll. See, these things take a toll on us. We can often feel like we're drowning in anxiety because the storms, the little everyday storms in our life are just too much to bear. And this leads us to another point that I want each and every one of you to take with you today. If you only remember one thing, remember this one thing. God does not ignore the pain of his people. I'm going to say it like a million times because I want you to remember it. God does not ignore the pain of his people. God does not ignore the pain of his people. We see that in Isaiah thousands of years ago, and we see that today. See, the people of Israel were scared. They felt abandoned. They felt as if God forgot all about them in their time of pain. But we have a God that is not distant, nor is God far off. We have a God that does not ignore the pain of his people, but we have a God that joins his people in their suffering. We have a God that comes to earth whenever people are struggling and joins them in their pain, joins them in their hurt. In Isaiah 53, we read a prophecy of a Messiah that was despised and rejected by others. Has anybody been there? Anybody felt like they've been rejected by those around them? We, we read of a Messiah who was a man of suffering. Has anybody been there? Read of a Messiah who was oppressed and afflicted. Has anybody been there? See, we don't serve a God that is distant and far off. We don't serve a God that is completely outside of our experience. We don't, we don't follow a God that is just like, meh, about us. No, no, no. We have a Messiah that suffers just like we have suffered. We have a Messiah who is despised and rejected, a Messiah who is called a man of suffering, who is oppressed and afflicted. And Isaiah continues, chapter 53, verse 5, says this. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises, by his stripes, by his pain, by his suffering, we are healed. I'm going to read that again because it is a beautiful poem. 
That's what Isaiah mostly is, is poetry. It's this beautiful poem given to us that is echoed for generations of the kind of God that we know. He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises, we are healed. Does anybody need to be whole this morning? Does anybody need to find healing this morning? See, we have a God that is not distant and far off. We, we don't serve a God that, that doesn't care about what we are going through. No, we have a God that cares so much that he is willing to be a part of this earth. He is willing to be a part of what we go through. He is willing to be hurt so that we don't have to go through our hurt alone. We have a God who suffers so that you and I don't have to suffer. And it says this, that it's for our transgressions that he was wounded. But it's also by his bruises that we are healed. So there's kind of two sides to this coin. Where there's the forgiveness of sins. And I think in the church, we, we've done that pretty good. We've talked about that at length. About how we're, we're sinful people. We're people that make mistakes. I am a person that makes lots of mistakes. Like, lots. And it is Christ that forgives me. It is Christ that says I am forgiven. Right? It is for my transgressions that he was wounded, and because of that, I have experienced forgiveness. But oftentimes, we stop there. We stop at a God that wants to forgive our sins, but we miss the second part. Because it was by his bruises we are healed. So we serve a God that doesn't just want to forgive our sins, but he also wants to heal our brokenness. We serve a God that doesn't just want to forgive our sins, though he wants that, he does that, but we serve a God that heals our brokenness. We serve a God that wants us to experience a full, beautiful life. A life that Jesus says to the fullest. That's, that's what we're designed to experience. And we can't do that when we're constantly broken. All the ways in which we are inadequate and feel broken, Christ bears that, but he bears not only our sin, but our brokenness too. See, Isaiah is giving us a messianic vision of a suffering servant who is present in our lives to forgive our sins and to heal our brokenness. In the very next chapter, chapter 54, verse 10, we, we read this. The mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. My covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. O oh, afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, I am about to set your stones in antimony and lay your foundations with sapphires. Now, once again, it's a poem. Right? It's poetry. 
So it's poetic language, but I'm going to read it again because I think it's something that we need to internalize. The mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. O afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted, I'm about to set your stones in antimony and lay your foundations in sapphires. God is saying to his people that the world might be crashing down around you. The mountains may depart and the hills be removed. The world might be crashing down around you, but his steadfast love will never crumble in your life. His steadfast love will always show up. His steadfast love will never disappear. The Lord has compassion on those who are struggling. The Lord has compassion on those who are hurting. The Lord has compassion for those who are struggling with anxiety. The Lord has compassion for those who feel alone. The Lord has compassion for those whose world is crumbling around them. And he wants them to experience peace. He wants them to experience peace. Oh, afflicted one, storm-tossed and not comforted. Those of you who feel like you are drowning in the storms of life, he wants you to experience dry land. He wants you to experience treasure. See, we're used to walking on concrete, right? We're used to walking on concrete, but in this poem, God says to his people that he will lay their foundations with sapphires. He wants us to live a beautiful life where not only do we have a solid foundation to stand on, but every step we take, we are able to see the beautiful nature of God's world. He will set our foundations with sapphires. God has gotten you this far and he won't abandon you now. Those who are struggling in this room, God has gotten you this far and he won't abandon you now. I'm gonna talk a second to those in the room struggling with anxiety. God has given us good gifts on how to cope, how to, how to be healthy, how to handle anxiety. He's given us various mindfulness practices, right? Understanding who we are. He's given us the science of psychology, right? Breaking down what is going on in the mind, what is going on in the brain. He's, he's given us various therapeutic techniques. He's given us doctors that can diagnose our issues. He's given us medications that can help balance out our chemicals. He's given us all of these good things. And I don't want to preach a message so that I don't give you like a, a true, tangible thing that you can use this week. So a gift that God has given us that I want to focus on today is centering prayer. Centering prayer. Now, this is something I practice before every time I speak, whether it's to, to youth or to young adults or with you all here. It's this practice of centering prayer. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's centering yourself in the presence of Christ. So we're going to practice it here today. We're going to practice it 
here today because I don't want you to leave today without some practical, some practical tools that you can use whenever you struggle with anxiety this week. So something I do with our students, something that I invite you to do now is if you want, you can extend your palms just like this. This is a posture both of, of giving but also receiving. Um, so you're giving up things that might hold you back, but you're also willing to receive the grace and mercies that God has for you. And I want to just invite you to take a few breaths, nice deep breaths. And after the second or third breath, if you want to just close your eyes. Pray along with me in your hearts and in your minds. Christ Jesus, be before me and behind me. Be on my right and on my left. Be above and below me. Be in the eye of all those who see me so that they see me and you and you and me. Be all around me as I go throughout my day and my week. And give me your peace, your stillness, your shalom. Amen. Does anybody feel a little bit more calm, a little bit more peace? Anybody? I do, because it's a little anxiety-inducing to be talking to all of you as you look at me. But these are simple practices where you just take 30 seconds and center yourself in the presence of a God who, whether you know it or not, is present in your suffering, in your struggles, in your anxiety, in your hurts, in your wounds. You can center yourself in the presence of a God that wants to forgive your sins and heal your wounds. See, the most liberating thing for me in my own mental health journey truly has been acknowledging that there is a God who is for me, no matter what. A God that has forgiven my sins and wants to heal my wounds. In just a minute, we're going to enter into a time of communion. And, and I think this this message of God with us, this message of God in our midst, this message of God that wants to forgive us and to heal us is best exemplified on Christ, on the cross, and his resurrection days later. See, this is what Isaiah was talking about when he was talking about a suffering servant that, that was broken on our behalf. And maybe there's somebody in the room that whenever you think about God, you picture a far-off, angry old man that's just waiting for you to mess up. But what I hope we've landed upon today, what I hope we learned today is that God isn't distant. God isn't far off. God isn't angry. God isn't just waiting for us to mess up. God doesn't want us to suffer alone, but we believe in a God 
than his presence. We believe in a God that suffers alongside us. We believe in a God that doesn't want us to go through life alone. We believe in a God that wants us to experience life to the fullness. See, Isaiah says that through the Messiah, the suffering servant, we are made righteous. And it's by his body that is broken that we are forgiven and we are healed. And before we enter into this time of communion, I, I want to extend an invitation to pray where if you've never followed this Christ, if you've never decided that you want to be in the presence of this Christ, if you never experienced this grace and mercy, I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I trust in you. And I thank you for suffering on my behalf so that I don't have to go through this world alone. Forgive me of my sins. Heal me of my brokenness so that I might be made whole in you. With every eye still closed and head still bowed, if you prayed that this morning, that you want to follow Jesus, be made whole, if you want your sins forgiven and your wounds healed, would you shoot up your hands as we get ready for communion? I see your hands. I see your hands. I see your hands. Yours and yours and yours and yours. Thank you. God sees your heart in this and he invites you to partake in his body and blood that was shed for you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup also, after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take and drink. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for watching this video. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you got a lot out of it. If you feel like you need to respond, you can visit fairviewvillagechurch.com prayer and you can fill out the forms there and let us know how we can be praying for you. Or you can scan the QR code below and that'll take you everywhere you need to go for next steps. Thanks so much for joining. We hope you have a great week and looking forward to connecting with you.